everybody. This is Nicole. And this is Lene. And this is live from 1985, the podcast. Tonight, we are going to be talking about generational curses. We're going to be talking about how that affects our family and just how it affects us in general. People growing up, seeing these things. And, you know, we're going to get into some conversation about that. In our A Million Opinions segment, we're going to be talking about Dr. Umar and self-esteem because we feel like self-esteem plays a big role in generational curses. So um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, Are you ready, Nicole? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I am ready, Lenae. Let's get started. Okay. So um, the first thing uh, I kind of want to talk about is uh, what generational curses do you think are prevalent in your family? So I think the biggest generational curse that uh, my family uh, is faced with personally, and I actually think it's um, something that's common amongst all of melanated people's families, is not knowing our history. To me, that is a curse. And I say it's a curse because it was something that was stripped away from us during the times that we were... um, and I'm using quotations for this, during the time that we were in slavery or during the time that we were indentured, uh, doing indentured servitude. So that is the biggest curse to have because not knowing who you are or where you come from, it's very difficult to know um, where you're going. You know, it's very difficult to find sort of that foundation, that baseline of, okay, you know, most cultures can go back years and years, generations and generations of their great, 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 great grandparents, um, you know, even before that. But for us and our people, my family, personally, um, we can only go back, I can only go back so far, you know, and it's, it's very hindering to, you know, moving forward. So, you know, me, me personally, I think that's the, I guess the most prevalent generational curse that I deal with is not, no, well, I don't know all the facts. I'm doing as much research as I can, but I don't know all the facts of where I come from and who I am. What about you? So, I mean, I feel like we can go into a, a couple of them, but right. I feel like the biggest one would probably be um, single mothers. I feel like uh, a a lot of the mothers in my family are single. And um, even if they're not single, they're not with the child's father. And another thing I would say is probably like um, different fathers. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I come from, like, we kind of all have different last names. We all have different dads, you know what I mean? So we're all family, but we all kind of are connected to another family and we may or may not even know that family and that's another curse that I feel like is really big and it's just the disconnect of the generations um because like you said we can only go back so far and I'm not even talking necessarily slavery I don't know my mom's mom's family my mom was adopted so I can only go back on my mom's side to her and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to get to know uh, even people in her family. You know, as she got older, she was meeting certain relatives and, you know, that we started to get to know them. But I was grown already. So right. I didn't grow up with them. So it's way harder to create a bond with them. You know, it's just kind of like we, we met each other and we're family. But 
you know, we don't have that closeness that you have with family that you grew up with. So right. I would definitely say that's the most prevalent uh, generational curse in my family. And I really hate it because I feel like um, I see, you know, people on Instagram, they take the picture and it's like five generations, you know, you go yeah. all the way back to the great, great grandma. It's like, I don't have that, you know? So yeah. I would like for my kids to see that if that's possible, you know, and that would right. kind of be my way of trying to create a new avenue, you know, for us. Um, so how do you think curses in your family affected you and affected you raising your kids? So again, not knowing really where I originally came from, um, in the beginning, I, like I said, I've done some research and I kind of have an idea now, but not knowing in the beginning, it was very difficult to find good examples of what a family should look like. And again, I think that stems back to what was stripped away from us and then what was put in front of, in front of us. So something was stripped from us and then we were told, this is how your family should be. So we started acting in accordance with that. Um, but we knew it wasn't natural, you know, because we, even up to this day, the way I raised my, when I started my family, I thought the most important thing I was supposed to do was work. Work, provide um, money for the household so my son can have a roof over his head, food in his stomach, shoes on his feet and clothes on his back. That was always my goal. I didn't have the knowledge or the wherewithal to know that it was important. I mean, of course I loved him and nursed and cared for him, but I didn't raise him. I didn't teach him things, um, little things, but I didn't teach him about life, you know, about real life. Um, I thought what life was, was go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a job, work for somebody else, get married, have kids, bam, then that's your life. And there's so much more. There's so much more to life. And that, you know, we, I found out after doing research, you know, realizing that, you know, I'm about 98% sure that I'm indigenous to America. We're very spiritual people. You know, we're very in tune with our surroundings, with the earth, with mother nature. So not knowing that I raised my family being connected to material stuff. It's stuff that makes you happy and makes you complete. But once I got that stuff, I wasn't happy and I wasn't complete. It wasn't until I started being out in nature and learning about the cycles of life, learning about the body and chemistry and biology where I'm like, oh, this is what fulfills me, you know, learning about spirituality. So uh, it's definitely affected, you know, me having a family, raising my family, knowing how to be a mother, a wife, it's, a, it's affected me greatly because I'm looking at the only um, example I had to look at was TV, really, you know, and my parents and my grand, and I knew my parents and grandparents and even my great grandparents, but even for them, you know, they were up to my grandparents, they had TVs back then, at least my grandparents when they were, you know, maybe in their teens or 20s. Um, and again, it's TV, you know, and even before that, it was somebody telling them, this is how you should live. You know, this is the American dream. 
Um, so yeah, that that curse it it affected my life, you know, significantly. So what about you? So when it comes to like the generational curse for me, I've seen a lot of guys come and go. And I will say, like, I had uh, older sisters. I'm not necessarily talking about with my mom. Um, I really only seen her date, you know, she had friends that came over. And I was too young to know that maybe or maybe not those friends were more than friends, you know. But they would just really hang out, you know. He might stay a little later, whatever. That was none of my (laughs) business. Um, But she mainly had one, one man from the time I was in third grade. And then she eventually married that man. But my sisters... I seen them, I got to see them date. I seen men come and go, not always good, you know, Mm. most of the time not good. Um, And then when it came to me, I never really knew what to look for in a man. I never knew Mm. what what a good man was. And I never knew uh, really what was important. I never knew I should Mm. be preparing myself to be a wife. You know, I just knew that at some point, you get a boyfriend, you know, and maybe I'll get married, maybe I'll down, and if y'all don't want to stay married, y'all ain't got to, and, you know, and that's pretty much it, so it didn't really prepare me for adult relationships, you know, seeing, yeah. seeing what I saw, so the good thing I would say about me is that I made sure to do the opposite, opposite. of kind of what mm-hmm. I saw, and not mm-hmm. necessarily go with it, because I didn't necessarily like what I was seeing, and I knew I had uh, different goals that if I went down that road, you know, I might not be able to reach those goals, you know, of like right. being a wife and having multiple kids with one guy. We all have the same name and, you know, having that whole thing. I always wanted that. So that's what kind of turned me away from some of the things that I might have seen. And I'm not downing them because mm. I feel like they might not even know where that came from, you know? Right. And our lineage is kind of so messed up that we don't know how far it went back, you know? Yeah. So we don't know where it came from. All I knew is that I had to do something different. Right. Do you think, so, you know, it's interesting that a couple of uh, videos that we watched and you find, you know, you find out about these generational curses and it's during, I would say with my own opinion, um, it seems like with our generation, something turned on you know yeah. because that's that's sort of a I hate to say it but it's sort of a trend you know people are saying break generational curses break generational curses so what do you think you know open the eyes of the generation or to become more aware and conscious like this shit ain't right because you have to think the generations before us had trauma you know they followed exactly what their parents did and did exactly what their parents told them you know, what was the cutoff or what was the change, do you think, where our generation was like, like you said, you saw what didn't work and you wanted to do different. And I was the same exact way. I saw what didn't work. And I'm like, you know, these people are miserable. They're going through this. They don't know this. I, something has to change or I have to do something different. What do you, that intrigues me. What do you think the change was or what do you think happened? I honestly think it's because we didn't go through trauma. We didn't have a traumatic civil rights, you know, upbringing that my mom and my grandma had, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've never been spat on. I've never been told I had to sit at an all black counter or I couldn't go to a dance because it was all white. 
I've never experienced that. So I can only imagine if I did have to experience that, the rage that would be building up inside of me having to go through life like that. I didn't mm -hmm. have to deal with that, but my mom did. You know, my mom was <laughs> born in the 40s. And so she lived right through that. She was maybe an adult, maybe, you know, almost a teenager, something like that in high school, college, living through that. She was alive when Martin Luther King was shot. You know, mm. she, she lived in Louisiana, which was very racist. She has stories that I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe that you live like that, survived it, and you know, you're a, a decent human being because my mom is a good person. But she didn't have the tools to make different decisions. You know what I mean? She was, I, I feel like back then they were really in survival mode. They didn't okay. have time yeah. to think about, you know, making decisions like I did. Cause I, I don't feel like in my lifetime, I felt like that in survival mode, you know, just, I don't know if I'm going to come home or I'm going to be in an altercation with someone. I haven't felt like that. So mm -hmm. that's where I think a lot of it came from on top of, you know, generations before that, of course, slavery, you know, and the yeah. things we learned there and the family separation and making the woman, you know, have to provide for the kids and, single single homes and just all this systematic shit that's happened to us we can't negate that and act like that didn't tear our families apart you know yeah. and it just was way harder what they went through than what we went through and and i feel like yeah. we're the ones to be self-aware and i feel like that's another thing we can actually go in and see ourselves i don't mm. think they had a lot of that because they were in that you know survival but, mode right yeah. but but we can actually be like hmm can i change this i can and we can yeah. like put steps forward to do it and especially right now we're grown and it's very much a mental health time frame in which everyone's mm -hmm. talking about it everyone's aware of it and we're able to check that i know they weren't and i know they didn't go to therapists or anything like that that was unheard of but we have mm -hmm. avenues, you know what I mean? So I yeah. feel like that that also is a reason why we can check ourselves a little bit more than they were allowed to. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good answer. A very, actually a very, very good answer because when you're in survival mode and you're battling and fighting every day with um, trauma, you know, avoiding trauma or dealing with trauma and avoiding people, like you said, spitting on you and doing things like that, you really don't have time for self because you're always you know trying to stay really stay alive you know um so that's a really good answer things have changed a lot i think that the type of systemic you know i guess racism or the the way they have things set up now it's still a form of uh, keeping us kind of under the it's still a form of keeping us, trying to keep us blinded, but it's not direct. You know, it's indirect. And it's a bunch of other stuff to keep our minds occupied. Instead of keeping us in a sort of scared, traumatic mode, now it's pushed on the way other end where we're being um, given over... Yeah, we're giving an overload of stimulating things like the TikToks and the, and it's, you know, it's all these social media things and, you know, distractions. People in, yeah, just, that's the word. There's a bunch of distractions 
now. So there's people that have become aware, but then there's still a large group of people who ignore it and like, everything's great. Everything's fine. I don't see what's going on because they have these distractions going on around them and they can't see, they still don't have the time to look inward, like you said, yeah. and realize, damn, there's some fucked up shit going on in the world that is being passed down from my family generation to me. So, but no, I, I like how you put that, that that was a, you know, it's a, it was a traumatic thing they had to go through. So why do you think these behaviors keep being passed down? Again, it's a kind of the same answer. You know, it's, it's now, I think there was a period where we kind of tried to get out of it, you know, with the Black Panther movement and civil rights and things like that. I think there was a point, like, if you really listen to some of Dr. Martin Luther King's speeches, like some of his speeches that aren't famous, he was really saying some stuff. You know, he even talked about how um, he was like, how come, because, you know, immigrants, even at that time, were receiving reparations and they were receiving free land and they were receiving, you know, all these handouts from you know, immigrants that weren't from here, but people that were born here and went through, you know, being a slave, we weren't receiving anything, you know, and he had pointed out, you know, when he, and I'm gonna find that speech, he even said himself, you know, we were here, we were here, and when he talked about the um, different types of treaties that were brought up, that were illegally signed between the United States of America as a government, as a corporation, really, and our people, but they were signed in a kind of dubious way, and everything was stripped from us, and they took it and give it to immigrants. You know, he pointed a lot of that stuff out, and there was a time where people were coming conscious and aware, and then it was all that inundated nonsense, mm -hmm. you know, just a bunch of crap, you know, do this, you know, even rapping for a moment, they were rapping about real stuff, but then it kind of started turning into this, you know, sort of entertainment. It wasn't anymore um, talking about what's going on in the world, is let me entertain you. Let me take your mind away of what, from what's going on. And it just kept going over and, you know, again, more inundated nonsense and entertainment and distraction. So. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's the big end of it is, is just more of the, the distraction and what's your take on it? So I watched this, uh, I guess it was a podcast by Boyce Watkins and he mm -hmm. said something that I really liked. So I wrote it down. He was <laughs> saying that, um, some of the generational curses, these are reasons why they might be, they keep being passed down. Toxic mm -hmm. messages in music, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. not valuing education, mm -hmm. not teaching kids how to date, mm -hmm. uh, women taught to think that a good man is a man with money, yeah. uh, not building multiple streams of income, mm -hmm. and sending kids to work for the white man. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that is yeah. absolutely right. Because if you stop doing... Start, stop doing some and start doing some, you know, the ones that you're not doing, we could really elevate ourselves to a point where it's like, I know we can never catch up because there's like 300 years. 
head start, but like we can start making wiser choices and set ourselves up, you know, to where mm-hmm. our, our kids can at least get something for their future. You know what I mean? Well, I so, think we can, I think we can catch up because you'd be surprised. There was a, a guy on YouTube and he talked about how much money our people alone put into the consumer business. Mm. You're talking of billions and billions of dollars a year. I mean, we make up, I don't know the exact numbers, but we make up a large uh, percentage of the population today. We're still considered the minority mm-hmm. or, you know, we're not the most, you know, we don't, we don't represent the most people in, in, in America, but we still, because most other cultures that are immigrants or from other cultures, they put into their own businesses. Anytime they get money, they put back into their own business. Now with Caucasians, anytime they get money, they invest. They make their money, make money. But our people, we get money and we spend it. So you have to think other cultures and Caucasians, we put into their businesses and their cultures. We put in, we're making Caucasians more rich and we're making other like, you know, the hair shops and the 7-Eleven, you know, all the um, corner stores and all that stuff, liquor shops and stuff like that. We don't own none of that. Yeah. None of that. That's so, true. And it would, the reason, the only reason why it seems like it's kind of difficult to catch up because trying to get everybody on the same page. And that's why I said that because <laughs> it's like by yourself, you know, yeah. just do good for yourself because Sometimes I feel like maybe we don't even all need to be on the same page. Maybe you just need to find those like-minded people and y'all put y'all money together. And once people start seeing that work, then it'll just multiply and multiply. But trying to get everybody on the same page is never going to happen. We got to... Let me see 19 families come together and buy a plot of land, get a city together and let it flourish. And then I I promise that will start happening in other places. And I'm using that example because that did happen. 19 families or so did buy a plot of land and they are, uh, I think it's right outside of Georgia and they had a name for the city too and I forgot it, but they are planning to build a city. And I was like, when I heard about it, I'm like, I can't wait to see that materialize. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like that's the push people need to see to really hop Mm. on board and say, okay, this is possible and I'm going to get my 19 friends and we're not going to spend our money on Gucci and get an expensive car and all that, but we're going to buy this land and build us a city because we can do it. Do it, yeah. choose not to. Yeah, and and that's the (laughs) thing that blows my mind. It's a choice. And I want to know if the family you're talking about is the, because I read about the same thing. I can't remember what Mm -hmm. state, but I just read about- It was in Georgia. I know that for sure. It was right outside of Georgia. I I can't remember where I read it, but I just remember it was a large number of families that got together. They put their money together and they bought an old town. It was a, because you'd be surprised how many towns, old towns have been vacant. Yes. Because usually when, it's said like this, but usually when Caucasian back in the day, when they would build these towns, they would use up all the natural resources. And once they were all used up, they just left. Mm-hmm. But things tend to reflourish. Mother nature can correct itself. So they would buy this family, group of families bought this old town. Mm-hmm. It's already got a water system, electricity and stuff like that. And they're really kind of on their own grid. Like you said, they're their own city. They're, right. They have their own money. They don't have right. to use... You know, they use more of a trading and barter, uh, trading and barter system, which is what 
I, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. I get that you still, unfortunately, may have to use money for some stuff. But if you get the right type of people, you find you an engineer, plumber, electrician, you know, things like that, your costs outside of that family or that group, that community is very, very minimal, mm -hmm. you know? Um, unfortunately, I think, I think the biggest issue is since the United States owns like all of America, then you're still paying things like taxes and stuff like that. I don't know right. the exact in and outs, but like you said, once it becomes a trend, but you see, they don't put that in the news. They don't put that like as a big thing. When I right. saw it, it was, it was a little. Uh, yeah. Blurry. And they're not going to, but no. we got to do our own research. Yeah. We don't, we, we cannot ever wait for our oppressor to teach us. It's never oh, going to yeah. happen. Oh yeah. We got to keep oh, yeah. it moving. We got to stay vigilant in what's going on. And, you know, I'm not going to say put our money together because I am not on that, but <laughs> get you a small group. And, and when I say we, I mean, as a whole, like might not be able to do it like that. Cause unfortunately we got to learn how to trust each other and yeah. that's just real, but trust can be built that way, you know? And once you see it works and then you just, Keep it moving. You know, yeah. we could do this. <laughs> and that's part of that generational curse is we were taught not to trust each other. Yes. Especially our women. Especially right. our women. That's right. And, and a lot of competitiveness. And it's yeah. like, we don't have to have that at no. all. Like, it does nothing for us as a people. To me, it just, it's embarrassing and it makes us look bad, you know, because yeah. we can't even big up one, one another because why? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So, um. Something I want to ask: What would you say to someone who is falling into some negative patterns, um, the same patterns as their past relatives or ancestors, or you know, falling into the generational curse? If you could stop them in their tracks and say, "Girl, let me tell you this," what would you say? Oh my goodness, I it would be a long conversation. Uh, the biggest thing I'd have to say is start with self-reflection. The person, first and foremost, has to be open to receiving what I'm going to say. If they're open to receiving what I'm going to say, um, I would say start with self-reflection. Start trying to learn out, learn about who you are. If you can't do that, if you can't go back through your general, like I know you said, you only know your mom and that, you know, you know, one generation back and that's it. Still, you know, see if she has a birth certificate, you know, records were kept. And even now they're trying to erase those, you know, they're getting, they're at the point they're trying to get it to work. You can't even go back and get your records. They're trying to make it more difficult, but I would still say, do your best to try to find out as much as you possibly can to know about your past. It is so important. And read, read knowledge is so much more important and valuable than money. And I think me and you talked about this before, Lene, where you can find books on Amazon that are hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why is a book a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. You know, and it's not just the book. It, a lot of times it's an informational, a very important book that has a lot of, you know, information in it that they don't want you to know. And it's only for quote unquote, rich and powerful people to know so you have to think about that you know even the lower so socioeconomic classes they don't want them knowing stuff so even knowledge is expensive so anyway mm -hmm. um you know i definitely tell this person hey get to know who you are 
not just inside and yourself, but your past as much as you can. And taking one step at a time, it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna take a lot of effort. You know, it's going to be a difficult journey, but don't give up. Give yourself patience, give yourself peace. Um, but definitely take the time to, you know, in order to start breaking that generational curse is to learn about your ancestors, you know, um, to, to continue on who you used to be because I like to tell people about genetics. When they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, they say that because when an apple falls off a tree, it has a seed in it. And when that seed goes into the ground, and another tree is sprouted up, it's the same tree that it fell from. The genetics are exactly the same. You are the same way. You are your parents. You have the same genetic makeup as your parents and it keeps going back. So the information is there. You know, get learn about spirituality and getting to know yourself and meditation. I can go on and on and on. It's just, it's, it's so deep and it's so much. Um, but getting to know yourself is paramount. It's very much paramount. And yeah, if you had no. a message, what would it be? <laughs> um, so here's my thing on the generational curses, because we talked a lot about family, mm-hmm. but generational curses can happen in more than just your family. You know, I mean, not in your family, but just it doesn't have to necessarily be like a a, a woman thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh it could be divorce. It could be incest. It could be poverty. It could be mm-hmm. anger. It could be abuse, depression. It could be barrenness. You know what I'm saying? So generational curses go deep. And I feel like if I was talking to someone and I want to give them a tip, I would just say, be self-aware. Realize what you're putting out mm-hmm. because a lot of it comes right back around, especially if it's all around you. You might yeah. need to change your location. You might need to remove yourself from the atmosphere in which, which you're in. You might need to relearn some things and um, break some habits. Yeah. You know, and but the the first thing you got to do is understand that you have them. You know, so that that's what I would say. You got to be self aware and you got to understand yourself and what these generational curses are causing you and your family you know because maybe you could be the one to get out or maybe you the you could be the one to get everyone out yeah you know Mm -hmm. so my my next question would be do you think because we talk a lot about women when it comes to generational curses what do you think do you think well let me phrase this correctly do you think men can have generational curses I definitely do. Um, I do think, however, the generational curses that are prevalent and that have always been prevalent definitely affect women in a different way than it affects men. Men are more in tuned with their, uh, I would say, animalistic ways. You know, men are more inclined to fight. You know, they are more inclined to, if something doesn't feel right, if something is not happening that isn't right, they're going to fight it first. Where women are trying to kind of comprehend it and feel it and wonder, and we kind of 
let our emotions, you know, we deal with our emotions in a different way where they, if they're, um, if they come up against an obstacle and they know it's in their way, they're ready to break that shit down, which is why I think when we went through what we went through and I tell people, hey, read the Jim Crow laws, you know, it tells you, you know, or there's another book, um, I have to look it up. Um, it tells you how to, uh, excuse my language, uh, how to break a nigger, you know, and it says the first thing it says is remove the man from the home. Because a man, again, protect and provide. That is his genetic makeup. I'm going to do whatever I can to protect my family. And some shit ain't right. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. Where women protect the children, but it's a more, or we got to run away from this shit. We need to, they're more likely to. So I'll just say this. What happened was you remove the man from the family and then you indoctrinate the women and children. So that's what happens because the man doesn't, since the man isn't there to protect the family, the women are more inclined to say, you know what, I don't want to die and I don't want my children to die. So I'm going to do what they say to survive. It's survival mode at that point where a man is actually more likely to be like, nah, we all dying. Before I do this shit, Mm -hmm. you're not going to take my family. You know what I'm saying? So I do think women, and I don't want to say we're more susceptible and I don't want, you know, people to take this as we're weaker or anything, but we do, you're going to do what you can to protect your family. You are, you don't, you, we're more likely to say, you know what, I'd rather do this so my children can live than, I guess, sort of sacrifice your life because you want, our job is to keep the bloodline going and keep the genetics going, you know what I mean? So, um, I think that, yeah, it definitely affects men and women very differently. I think that's why we're having the big rift now because the generational curses that have been inundated on us has pushed women way in this, you know, direction, this, this I guess if you want to say left or right, you know, we're way right and men are way left. And it's just like men are at the point where they kind of have no choice. You know, it's like, well, women are like this and they're not really changing anytime soon. So they can either deal with it or they they can't. So I do also think it's kind of more on women and I'm probably getting a lot of flack for this, <laughs> but it is more on women to sort of change that because we have a bad habit of coming together and talking about things in an emotional and um, feelings way instead of saying, hey, let's get this information out. Let's get this book. Let's read. Let's find out what's going on. Let's talk about facts and what we can do. Not about how you feel, not about how you think, not about the experiences you, experiences you had, but let's talk about facts and what we can do and how we can change it. Men are more like that, you know, and men are much more ready to throw them hands. You know, they're going to fight the system. They're much, that's why, you know, when rap was sort of, you know, conscious rap, it was male dominated because men were like, fuck this shit. This is fucked up. We're in a fucked up situation and we're sick of this shit. There wasn't a bunch of women doing that. It was a bunch of men. Yeah. You know, female rappers didn't come out until later on, even the Black Panther Party. It was predominantly men, you know, back when it was real, real, you know, they were like this you know, even the leaders, you find more male leaders than female leaders. And again, I'm not saying we're weak or anything like that. It's just, that's 
genetically how men are. Genetically, they are made to protect their families and rightfully so, you know what I mean? So I think what should happen, talk, you know, I talk about what kind of the problem is. I think what should happen is continue to allow the men to be that role, have that role, but women need to come together and do more planning because we're good planners. We can get some shit together. We can organize, you know, and back our men up because men know how to make quick, concise, conscious decisions in the moment. Women more have the ability to plan, take the time, organize, talk, do research, and back your man, back the men up. Show them a united front, you know, not this separate, you know, I hear the question, how come men don't back women? How come women don't back men? How come we're not backing each other? Like, what's the problem? You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm sorry. The original question is, I think it affects us uh, differently. And that's why they did what they did. And they, women and children were more indoctrinated more than, than men were. You know what? I, I, I want to piggyback off of what you just said when it comes to the women always like, why can't you back me up? I really feel like women, that's a generational curse right there. And I think okay. it starts from us being so independent. And yeah. it turned into, now we look at a man like, I'm tired of being independent because being independent is not our natural, uh, you know, job title or whatever you want to call it. I don't want to, want to feel like it's a job, but like, that's not our natural description, you know? Right. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. So the fact that we are doing that, when a man comes into the situation, women are looking at the man like, oh, good, you're here. Like, damn, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to be like this. You got my back now? Good. You know, when a man's coming to you like, hey, I need shit from you. Like, you're a right. woman. I'm coming to you for these things. And we're like, you're coming to me for those things? I'm tired. You know what right. I mean? But it is going to take some time to do it. But, like, I feel like I don't want to always put something on the man, too. But, like, yeah. men got to understand that we feel like that. That we don't want to feel like this. We right. want to be submissive. We want to be able to be like, you got it, you know, but you got to show us that you got it first because a lot of us have seen a lot of men who didn't have it and it might not yeah. have been my mom's fault or, you know, I've seen men do women really wrong. So mm. it's hard for me to know that men are going to be like, hey, I got it, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of women might have had that same situation. So... It I just want men to realize, like, we know we need to step it up, you know, or, right. or especially me. I have realized a lot that, like, okay, I can step it up. I can do this a little bit better and a little bit more. But at the same time, I need my husband to know or anyone, you know, like anyone's man, brothers, sisters, whatever. I'm like this because of this. And I am right. going to work on it. I'm being self-aware. I see that it's there. But I need you to show me that you're going to let me break it down. You know? So you're saying something very important. And I'll, I'll agree and say something else. So okay. I think women, we desire that because you're right. We have been, again, my, so my grandmother, I was in the social services field for a long time. I worked for the Department of Human Services. So I was the person who did, you know, food stamps, cash, Medicaid, stuff like that. I was the one who you came in, I interviewed you, and I saw if you were eligible for the benefits. 
I didn't know this. I found this later on that my grandmother did the same thing. She worked for the state too. The, and Illinois, it tripped me out. Like my dad told me. So I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Now she, for a short period of time when she was still living, she told me, she's like, yeah, but when I did it, they would have to go to the people's houses. They had to make sure the man was not in the house. If the man was in the house working or not, they could not receive financial aid. They could not, and they were strict about it. They saw some shoes. Oh no, it's a man in this house. You're not getting nothing. You know, if they saw anything that was, you know, that had a man's presence, then it was like, no, you cannot get this financial aid. Now, think about this. It was very difficult at the time when all this kind of started. This was, you know, after slavery, during I would say, you know, maybe the 50s and 60s. So in a way, absolutely, obviously, but anyway, so men were put at a level where they couldn't get a job, they could not get a job. Women were put at a level where they could, and even if they couldn't, they received uh, welfare. Men were not eligible for welfare whatsoever. If they had kids, nothing. You just stuck like Chuck and shit out of love. Homeless, they didn't give a shit. So you have this man who couldn't provide, couldn't protect, and women were forced to be independent. But the way they twisted this shit, which is what pisses me off, is they made it seem like it was the man's fault. Yeah. You know, because the man's out there trying to find a job, trying to do this. And she's like, well, I'm at home cooking and cleaning, and now I got to work. And if, you know, I can't work, I got to rely on the government white man to give me help so now she's looking at the government like this is the person who's helping me this is the person who's putting food on my table a roof over my head clothes on my back and shoes on my feet but this motherfucker's not and it was it was twisted that way it was it started off being twisted that way to where a woman couldn't look at her husband or look at her man or whatever and be like damn he's falling on hard times I gotta step up unfortunately you know, the way they commercialized it and shit like that, it was, we were taught to despise him and make it his fault and look, and that's part of that generational curse. Now that mm -hmm. keeps going. And like you said, still to this day, women are making, uh, you know, men on average are making 40,000. Women on average are making 60 to 70,000. Women on average have more education. Women, you know, more men are in prison. It's still the same thing. And we're still looking at men like, Y'all need to step up. Now, like what you said is very rare. It's very rare for a woman to say, you know what? I know this is a generational curse. I know this is something that was put on us by someone else. There was a blind put over our eyes. And this is really not how it is. It's something that's keep us divided. Divide yeah. and conquer. That's what it is. And like you said, you work and you do this. And when a man comes along, you just want to be like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Here, here's all of it. <laughs> Take this shit and take it over because that's yes. what they're there for. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember, men are going through it too. Yeah. They have to pull and fight. So it is, we have to both come to a, a comprehension. So if a woman kind of already has the upper hand, you can't always be like, okay, here you go. Because he still has way more barriers to face than a woman. I've seen it with my own eyes where me and my husband will go into courthouses, um, any type of state department, police stations, anything like that. 
and I've watched, we, I've, we've done tests, like watch him go in and they talk to him shitty. And he don't drink, you know, he ain't going in there looking pants sagging, nothing like that. You know, he looks, he does, we dress differently. We make our own clothes. You know, he's got long locks, but immediately they look at him like, mm, you know, and sometimes it's our women. It's either our women or Caucasian men. Look at him and he's like, eh, and then I walk in, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you today? And it's like the what? You know, and I'm like, I'm with him. Oh, oh. <laughs> how can I help both of you? To you know, and it's like, and I I didn't see that, mm-hmm. and he would say, watch this, watch this. So we have to realize we're both going through it. Women have been put in this position to act like men, and we're like you said, naturally that's not who we are. Right. And men have been put in this position to have all these damn obstacles to try to take our place. But the minute they see a man doing that, they keep getting cut down. So I agree with you. We both have to, you know, I got lucky. You know, my husband comprehends that. And we both are still working. You know, we both are still working to, you know, find the solution. You know, it's not an easy solution. Right. But I I would say the first step, like you said, is to the woman has to realize the man's plight the man has to realize the woman's plight and no plight is worse than the other right they're both equally horrible but there's also certain sacrifices and acceptances i don't know if that's word people have to accept what they have to do in that role you know women unfortunately like i realize there's things that i don't want to do but i know in this convoluted society I have to do it because I can walk into the courthouse. I can walk into a police station. I can walk into, you know, a lot of places and get better service because I'm a woman. Whether my husband is going to get shittier service because he's a dark-skinned, melanated man. And I want him to do that. Like, damn, I don't want to do this shit. This is what you should be doing. But I got to realize, damn, he's going to get flagged. He's going to get shit. He's going to get... You know, so until we can get society to change, right? kind of have to accept some of the things that we don't want to do, you know? Um, but I agree, men still have to recognize, damn, my wife has to do this. It sucks for her. I got your back. And women have to do the same thing. Men have to do, men aren't able to do things and it emasculates them and it feminizes them and it makes them feel like shit. And we have to be like, damn, you can't do the things that you want to do as a man so let me comfort you let me be there for you let me have your back you know we both have to share these accountabilities and responsibilities and 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 sacrifices until like you said we can get this 19 families together i know that's the goal right there but yeah i just i just think about that only because every problem has a like a, a root problem Right. You know, and the root problem is so deep. I don't it know is. if if men even think about that, you know, when they're dealing with a woman that might be honorary or, you know, boosting off at the mouth, like you say. Do yeah. you know that she's probably hurt? Do you know she's probably That's been true. this independent woman That's for true. so I don't even I, I just wonder, are they even thinking that? Are they giving her, you know, uh a little grace just to be like, you know what, you were taught wrong. You know, you you grew up learning wrong things, and 
Let me give you some grace for that. And same thing with men. You know, I didn't, I never thought about the fact that I knew that when it comes to welfare, the man couldn't be in the home, but I didn't think about the fact that they turned it on the man and made it look like, oh, it's your fault. You can't get a job. That's yeah. a different story because that's putting a blame on you that has nothing to do with you. And that is honestly systematic. Then you got your woman turned into the white man. And, it was, and, that I, said, hurt. and I, I said, you know, I tell my husband all the time, I said, they, mastered this so beautifully when they did this like I said it wasn't like I mean it was but they had they had psychologists sociologists but they had engineers mathematicians chemists setting up this systematic way of living people right. don't comprehend they think but it was I actually thought I I read this somewhere that when they wrote this out they didn't think the woman were the women were going to take this they thought it mm. would be something that they'd use for a minute and get off of it and the fact that the women were actually Trading the men for the money, they were just like, keep it going, you know? Yeah. They, I, I didn't, I, and I'm not saying they probably did set it up that way. I'm not denying that, but I did read or, or see an article where they said something like they didn't actually think it would take off. They, they thought like, well, let's test it. But it actually was like, they wanted it, you know? And you know what? That's because by nature, we are we're not women especially again we're not fighters we're i mean we will we're protect we protect our children but it's to it's to survive yeah so we're going to do what we have to do to survive and if we don't have that male influence then we're going to do whatever you know I, and i i hate to be brash like this but that's why you find more female prostitutes than men prostitutes you know because men women will do whatever to survive and it, like I said, it was, it was so, I hate to say it was it's brilliant, but it was such a brilliant idea because men also won't admit to defeat. So that's why women, they were, we, we didn't even have to be taught that men um, weren't doing well or to go against our man. It's because it was very, um, the pride was hurt. You know, when a man can't provide for his family, and let's say, you know, men were coming home every day, looking for a job. They usually don't, nine times out of 10 or eight times out of 10, they're not telling the wife, you know, because their pride is hurt. They don't want to come home and be like, damn, I ain't found a job. I can't provide for my family. So they either go to drinking, you know, or go to some type of way to cope because that's a, you have to realize it's, it's a very, Men take that way different. You know, women are different. Women are like, hey, man, I couldn't get this. What are we going to do? What we got? We got the cut. But men, they take the weight is on the, the whole world is on their shoulders. If they fail, then the failing is hard because they feel like I have got to cover and protect my entire family. You know, where women, like I said, we're willing to be like, Fuck that. What we got to do? We got to hustle. We got to this. You know, our prize right. is hurt as much. And they're kind of like, well, what's my purpose? Yeah. Because exactly. if I can't do that, I'm just laying deep. Right. You know? Right. I'm living up in your house and you paying all the bills. No man wants that. No good man. No raised <laughs> right man. <laughs> right. So a lot of those men would just leave or would just you know, like I said, end up going to alcohol or becoming homeless because it was too much, was too hurtful to face a family they couldn't take care of. I had said like, this was kind of easier to take that way out. Like, damn, I can't take care of my family, but at least she has, unfortunately, the, and women took that as a hit. 
you know, like, damn, we're supposed to be doing this together. I don't care what's going on with you, but women have to recognize depression. I can just yeah. imagine. Yeah, we can't, we have to recognize just because we wouldn't feel that way doesn't mean they don't feel that way. You know, we don't get the job and we don't do this. That's why they did they didn't take the woman out the home and leave the man. You know, they took the man out the home because they knew the man, once they were punched down so hard, they're gonna be like, fuck, if I can't take care of my family, I'm nothing. I'm nothing yeah. without being able to take care of my family. And they kind of just left and women are like, damn, you left me. And if not realizing that they left because they felt or their actions were like, I had no other choice. Yeah, I served no you know? purpose. Right, they felt, exactly. They felt like they had no purpose. So um, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's deep. It's very, very, very deep. And, but it can be changed. Um, both sides have to recognize the pain and the trauma of the other. Yeah. You know, like you said, uh, men do have to recognize that when, but women, the way women act is out of pain and the way men act is out of pain. And we have to, you know, men, like you said, men see it as being, you know, complaining and all, you know, doing all this boosting off of the mouth and nagging and all this. And women see men's lack of pushing to maybe get a job or they only have $40,000 that it's not them, they're trying. It's not, they're not trying. Most men, like you said, raised right. They're trying, but they're being hit with barriers. Right. It's not for a lack of trying. It's that they just don't have the opportunities we have. And that's the first thing we say, well, I ain't gonna get a job, right? And then I heard you say, and even, you know, you mentioned your sister that we can even get them jobs quicker than they can get their own jobs. No, absolutely. Know? So it's, it's, I don't know, like you said, it's just, it's recognizing um the other person's plight and being sensitive to it you know mm -hmm. men i do agree men need to be patient with women but women also need to not only be patient with men but be patient with yourself you know and and when a man exhibits um solitude or, or being quiet don't take it as them you know not caring or giving up, but taking it, take it as them. They analyze stuff in their head. They try to figure out on their own because that's the way they're built. They are like, I got to figure out how to fix this shit. You know, I can't have my, you know, they look weak to a woman saying, I don't know what to do. I got to fix this. That's what we do. Yeah. You know, we are the ones who are like, I don't know what to do. Help me. I got to fix it. Men are not going to, and we want that from them, but they're just not going to do it. That's, nah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> and if you really think about it, you don't want that. You'd be looking at your man like, that's the crazy <laughs> thing. It, it trips me out how women are always like, I want you to be more sensitive and this and that. And the first time a man does it, oh, he acting like a bitch. That's what you wanted. Yeah. Why are you asking for something that you don't really want? I think you know? we think it's going to look differently in our minds. I don't know. But I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily want no whiny ass man, <laughs> me personally, at all. But mm. anyway, so I feel like we've just 
flown right into our little segment, (laughs) our million opinions, um, where we're going to talk about Dr. Umar, we're going to talk a little bit about self-esteem, because I feel like self-esteem has a lot to do with generational curses, and a lot of what's being carried over is because we're not, you know, our esteem is not as high as it could be, possibly. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, we both kind of uh, watched some videos that he had where um, he was talking to Black women, and what do you think of it? I thought, uh, I have very... Uh, opposing views, not opposing views, but I would say um, mixed views. I have very mixed views on what he said. On one hand, he was he was um, very good at saying some, you know, positive things to the woman, but at the same time, he was saying some things that I didn't necessarily agree with. You know, he said a lot of. Um, I loved what he said about self esteem. He said one thing that really stuck out to me. Um, and he said, and this again is part of the generational curse where we have been taught to see ourselves as less than, you know, because we have been put in this independent position and we're forced to be independent, we're forced to do for ourselves. And it, it causes us to become more masculine. It really does that we have to over beautify ourselves to become more attractive. And, um, you know, he, he points something out. He says, don't, you know, if you get the, the bigger ass and the bigger titties and the tummy tuck and all this stuff, it's not going to help your self-esteem. It's only going to help, help your public image. And I love how he says that. Mm-hmm. I love how he says that. He says, you can't change something on the outside and expect it to change something on the inside. You can't. It may make you feel good momentarily because people will give you compliments. But if you're fishing for compliments, that's all you're going to get. In order for you to change your self-esteem, you have to work on self. You know, you have to look within. Um, The only other thing that I kind of disagreed, and I may have interpreted it wrong, too, again, because men talk in a different way. (laughs) Uh, He was like, women who stay in these bad relationships. So we've kind of talked about this before with marriage. And you know, I don't believe in divorce. Uh I don't believe in divorce. I believe in separation. I want to say that I know uh, there was a question, I think you said somebody had asked, you know, when is enough enough? I do believe in separation. You know, he pointed out women only stay with men um, who are on drugs because it helps them feel better. Women only stay with men who's whooping their ass because they say it's for the kids and women. So if you're staying with this person and obviously nothing is changing and you're putting your effort into to helping them change and they are not changing then i get it you know and be you know upfront and firm and concise about it and say you know what i love you i want to support you and i want to be here for you but i'm not going to watch you self-destruct so if you really want to get together and you really wanted this marriage to work, I'm going to give you some time to work on that because obviously what I'm, what I'm doing isn't working to help you. And then, yeah, I believe in separation and maybe that'll give that person time to say, oh, damn, this person, you know, really might, you know, they're stepping away from me. They're not my crutch anymore. I, I, I agree. I don't believe in being somebody's crutch if they're continuously going down the wrong path 
what you're doing isn't helping them, then change your tactics or allow them time to change themselves. But, you know, he's, when he said, oh, you're staying in this, and some women do that. I'll agree to some extent, some women stay in bad relationships, especially if the man is a gambler or on crack or on drugs and they wanna change them, they wanna help them because it does make them feel better about themselves. If you're changing a man to feel better about yourself, that is wrong. You should change a man so he can be better as a person. And as he gets better for himself, you get to reap the rewards of him being better for himself. Uh, so that's the only caveat I had of what he talked about. He seemed to put a lot of the, um, you know, he seemed to kind of push the narrative of, I don't want to say don't help your man, but he kind of pushed that narrative of, of just focus on just focus on self, you know, just focus on self, and I agree with that. And he he made a statement. Um, he said, "You can't have if you want a relationship. You can't. Um, I forgot how he worded. So you, if you can't, if you want a relationship, you can't have self. You can't put self worth over a relationship. You have to have self worth first, like." that makes me think that from in my opinion it it takes two for everything uh people see codependency as a negative word and you have to think if it's if everybody's talking about it it doesn't always make it right just because everybody's on the bandwagon doesn't mean you have to jump on it because that's what everybody says i don't care you know Think about it logically. Um, anytime you're independent by yourself and you're just worried about self, how happy are you? You know, how, how really happy is the person who's like, I am so in love with me and I've got everything. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try to always be the best that you can be and work on self. But if you, the ultimate goal to me is to have the family unit, is to have companionship that's what most people want if most people want companionship then your number one goal should be companionship and once you get into that companionship you can still work on self you don't have to have all your shit together like you said there's no such thing as perfection there's no such thing as perfection so you don't have to be this perfect person before you meet someone I would say it's very important to recognize your flaws. Yeah, and be honest about them. And be honest about them and let them know, hey, this is what's going on with me and I am working on me. But you don't have to say, I have got to, you know, I fear, how can I be good for someone else if I'm not good for myself? I get, yeah, I'm not saying don't work on yourself, sis. I'm not saying- But sometimes like that other person can pull the, the good out of you that you're trying to get out. Exactly. When you're living in your own box, you can't see in from the outside. So sometimes it takes another person's perspective, which is where your companion comes in to say, yeah, you're doing this. So you're doing that. Fine. You know, that companion is what helps you have better self-worth. So that's the other thing I wasn't really, you know, he's focused on you, focus on you, focus on you. No, you should find that companion that's going to help you focus on you better and push you to be better you know what i mean so that yeah overall his his 
his message was good. And it was just a few things that I, I kind of didn't disagree. With. I, I kind of disagree with, but when you watched it, what did you think about it? So I, what the, the statement that you just kind of made right now about like basically allowing yourself to be with someone else, even, even if you're not, you know, feel a hundred percent, I agree with it, but I also disagree with it a little bit. And, and I'm gonna bring the word self-esteem back because I do feel like your self-esteem needs to be intact before you get into a relationship. And something he said that I really liked was like, maybe you need a friend. If you go in your phone and everyone in the, all the men in your phone either is who you're with or someone previous that you've slept with, it's, it's kind of not good because yeah. no one's really even giving you that perspective of who you are uh, unbiased. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I feel like if someone that you slept with before, they can be a little biased. Someone that you're with can be a little biased. But your friend is there to tell you the truth. You know what I mean? So, and I definitely feel like a lot of women who are rushing into relationships or if your self-worth isn't there yet or, or your self-esteem is not there yet, be this person's friend. You can still Mm -hmm. have a companion and a friend and you can see where it goes till you are ready to, to finish working. I'm not saying you have to be a hundred percent because I do believe that different men or even women, other women can pull things out of you or can bring, make you self-aware of things that you don't recognize. But at the same time, I feel like it's okay to be a friend to someone. It's okay mm-hmm. to get your self-esteem to the point where you're not in a relationship because, or, or forcing yourself to be in a relationship just because this person might like you or you know, not feeling 100%, because I have seen people in relationships where their self-esteem isn't the highest, and they are getting taken advantage of, you know what I mean, because that person knows, oh, they're going to accept anything because they feel a way about themselves, so I do feel like working on yourself is extremely important, you got to be okay with you, you got to know, see the signs, you know, you you don't want to be so blinded, but it's okay to be friends too. And I really like that he said that you can definitely work on your self-esteem with a friend and that friend can turn into a husband, can turn into yes, a boyfriend, man. a long-term relationship. And it'll probably last better because y'all really know each other. You need someone you can unload on and especially mm-hmm. another man, you know, like I have men friends and my husband mm-hmm. knows them. He's okay with it, but I will unload on them. And a lot of times they tell me like, you're tripping, actually. <laughs> you did this. This is what you're doing. And this is how a man... And I'm like, damn. And, you know, and I've, I, after those conversations, I have went back to my man and be like, hey, I'm sorry. I was yeah, tripping. Yeah. And I didn't even see it, you know? So I, I feel like that is really important. I have men friends that I could call that have no bias to me, that just want the best for me, you know, or will give me another perspective to the to the situation that I'm talking about. So. I thought that was really important to say because everyone needs that. And I don't feel like you should be getting in um, relationships if your self-esteem is not good. And, and the, the word codependent kind of scares me only because <laughs> those, self, those low self-esteem people that get in relationships and become codependent, it's, it's more of um, a fulfillment. And right, I feel right. like it shouldn't be because can't nobody else fulfill you. You know, if, if you need an outside thing to to fill you up, then once that thing leaves, like, who are you? Are you are you a shell or are, are you can you stand on your own two feet and be like, you know, I'm OK. 
So here's here's what I would say to that. I would definitely, because um, I again, I, I think we, I kind of agree. I think I'm not saying that yourself, you shouldn't work on self and have self-esteem. I just don't think people should wait until they're 100 because to me, 100 doesn't exist. Right. If you're at 100, you can't go any further and you're considered perfect. Yeah. I think what people should do, they should really sit down with themselves. And I will say this, uh, Mr. Johnson did say something that was, I thought very uh, prevalent. He said, if a woman gets with a man and it doesn't work out and she leaves and another woman gets with a man and it works out, what did you do wrong? Because nine times out of 10, really almost 10 times out of 10, it was men, you. Treat women, <laughs> women, men treat women the same way. Yeah, Men do for women. Men are going to be like, well, I'm going to switch it up and try to, you know, yeah. most times, and women are kind of the same way too. Women are pretty much the same in relationships. But he's like, if a woman, if a woman gets with a man and it doesn't work out and the woman leaves, but then another woman gets with that man and it works out and she thrives, what was wrong with you? Mm-hmm. So I, I would tell people before you get in a relationship, write down everything that you think is wrong with you. Write down everything that you think is wrong with you, all your hangups, your trauma, your baggage, whatever. And then ask 10 friends or family members or coworkers and tell them to be honest if they want to write it down and mail it to you anonymously or whatever. But tell them you write down 10 things that they think is wrong with you, 10 things that they say that you have a problem with. If you can take those 10 things and swallow that, you've got good self-esteem. If you look at those 10 things, because self-esteem, people think self-esteem is um, kind of synonymous with confidence, and it's not. Self-esteem is you being able to recognize your flaws and be okay with them and still have confidence in yourself. Self-esteem is being able to say, you know what? I know I'm not perfect, but I'm always working on myself. I know my flaws and I continue to work on my flaws. That's self-esteem. Having confidence adds to that, you know what I mean? Self-esteem is knowing that you can, if you have good self-esteem, somebody can say to you, damn, you know what? I don't like your voice. You sound like this, that, and the other. And you'd be like, well, that's fine. You know, if you don't like my voice, I've heard that before. I can't change that. That's who I am. And you can take that shit and keep it pushing. You know what I'm saying? So if you get those letters and you find 10 things and you're like, uh-uh, I'm not this, they tripping, and you, that's, that's low self-esteem. That's, that's past confidence, and you've gotten to arrogance and narcissism, but self-esteem is you look at those 10 things that other people wrote, and you're like, oh, damn, okay, I can see that, or you know what, I don't see that, but I'll start trying to recognize that. More than one person wrote, like, I had to realize that when I was in my third relationship, and with my husband, it's the third, he's my third really serious relationship. And he was the third person that told me, you act like a man. You're always trying to wear the pants. You're always trying. And I said, this is the third person that's told me that. So I must be doing it. It can't be them. These people have never met. And if they're saying the same thing, I'm exhibiting something that is putting. So I had to take that and, and reflect. And I didn't think that of myself. But I had to start thinking, I must be doing this if more than one person is saying this. So that's why I say it's okay to enter a relationship with 
if you have um, issues and you're working on your self-esteem. But yeah, I agree. If you if you're looking at them ten things and you're like, this ain't my problem, this ain't me, they tripping. I don't see this. I don't do that. Yeah, that's low self-esteem, and you don't need to be in a relationship because when that man points something out to you, you're not going to want to listen to it, and you're going to be the one where the relationship doesn't work. And the only other caveat I have that I know we can't get too deep into it is the male friends. Just be careful of that. I don't have, I don't want to tell women not to have male friends because some males are okay with that. And I don't know, I haven't got too deep into um, the statistics of it or asked too many men this. And my husband, I think we just came to a consensus that we didn't want to have friends outside of the opposite sex friends outside of like who we both knew because I've always found, and this is again, only from personal experience. Anytime I had a male friend, it was an underlying thing of them having some type of attraction to me. So that's why I cut out all male friends. I don't have any male friends at all. I have the only, like I have acquaintances and that is the people my husband knows. You know, and it's the same for him. He, the acquaintances or the women he knows are people we've met together or the people that, you know, he may have introduced to me that he didn't maybe know before, that he just met, you know, it's things like that. So, because it's very, it's very rare. And again, only from my experience, it's very rare for a man and a woman to have a platonic relationship without at least one person having a little bit more feelings than they should. And I'm not saying they will act on it or anything like that, but men are sexual creatures of nature. <laughs> they just are. So but what if that um, man has a woman? They're still sexual like I said, I, I think we talked about this on the on the guest podcast. Uh, I was shocked to find I hear a lot of comedians talk about um, seeing a woman, and that's why men can't call. That's why men, because they they see a woman and they think sex. It doesn't matter. Like this one could be, uh, um, what's his name? This one comedian, he was like, damn, look at that girl in the trash can. What you doing, girl? It, do, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's just, they see a woman and their first mind and I'm not saying any old busted ass woman, you know, but most, if the woman is attractive to them, again, no matter how much money you make, no matter, you know, what your education level is, it doesn't, if they see a, a woman that sexually attracts them, they think sex. They think that's their first thought. Even my husband with me is just that, okay, once he started getting to know me or my first, um, when he saw my the way I acted, it shifted to where he was like, well, I kind of, I want to get to know her before I sleep with her. She seems like marriage material. So men can, can I'm not saying men can't control it or like your friend will try to sleep with you, but it's just, it's a very fine line. It's a very fine line for a man and a woman to have a platonic relationship and nothing sexual ever comes up. I say it's impossible, it's just rare. Because even when I did have male friends, it, that's what would happen. 
you know, it'd be like, well, girl, you know, and I'd be like, the fuck? Why are you ruining this? Like, why can't we just talk about God? And then it was like, my husband was right. You know, they're kind of just waiting in the wings. Like one day it's going, he's going to fuck up and I'm going to be there. You oh, know, to, <laughs> so, but, um, and again, I'm not saying that's mostly my experience. I'm not well, my friends are in a whole nother state. And one of them, <laughs> one of them is actually my husband's friend that became my friend. That's both of our friends. And has lived with us multiple times and all types of stuff. Yeah, but that, uh, yeah. it just is, I, I love having that. And I would never not want to have that. Because it is a sounding board in which I, and if I had older men in my family, it might be different. But I don't. So and it's if, true too. If I need someone who's my same age or, you know, older than me, I have to go outside. Yeah, and that, and that's true. I get that. You know, I even had a friend recently ask me, you know, who do I go to? I have no one to go to for male advice. And my husband, he's big on um, come to me, you know, even if it's something that we're rifting about. If a, if you want to know about me, you're not going to learn it from another man. But sometimes man you're can, trying to learn about you. He wants me. And this is just personal. Mm -hmm. Come to me, you know. If, if if I go to another man to learn about myself, he's going to get, and it may be unbiased, mm -hmm. but it's still his opinion. You know, let's just say, for example, just, you know, a random example. Let's just say, you know what, I, you know, I find myself, you know, getting angry easily. You know, I'm at work and, you know, do I get angry easily? And he's like, yeah, you know, you do kind of get angry easily. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should try this. And you start doing those things, but maybe it's in opposition of what your husband likes. You know, it's little—it's still little nuances that this man may accept, but your husband doesn't. So even in that aspect, I found I don't go, you know, again, this is me personally, I don't go to other men for that advice because then you're getting from, you're getting advice from another man on how he wants or he views a woman to be if he had a wife but you're not his wife or even if it's just in general, but how you're going to be in general is, is how you're going to be around your husband. So I just go to my husband and it's not always easy because you kind of want a differing opinion because you don't agree with your husband, but you have to, that's the, one of the sacrifices I feel that should be made just because you don't agree with him doesn't mean he's wrong. But I just you know? feel like this and you say this a lot. I'm not going to another woman to ask a woman how a man feels. She's not going to be able to tell me. So yeah. sometimes I need that. Like, I need it. I need to know how the fuck does this sound, you know? And then you can just tell me whatever you think. I don't have to take your advice. I just want to hear it. All advice that I take, I'm an I'm a open-minded person. So I can let it filter through. It doesn't have to stick, you know? But hearing it might change something in me. I'm gonna still do it the way in which he wants it. I'm never gonna step outside of that, but I needed mm. to hear that, you know? So sometimes I just need that. And it's not often, especially now that I'm married, but like, I don't cancel friends. Like if you're my friend, you're my friend forever, you know? So <laughs> I, I enjoy having both sides of that, you know? And mm. that's just me. And so um, I think, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> well i mean how you i you talked touched a little bit but i want to hear more about what you think about 
Umar Johnson. Like as him as as what he said, um, did it resonate with you? Did you totally agree with everything that he um, said? Did so I really like Dr. Umar. Let me first uh, say that. I, I've been looking at his stuff for a minute and um, I like almost everything that he says. He just seems so passionate about the black community. And uh, I feel like I'm that way too, without being, you know, in the streets about it. But I, I think that, and I'm just like, I want it to work out for all of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like that about him. I don't agree with everything he says. And sometimes I don't agree with his messaging either. Um, he's kind of, he's not Kevin Samuels. He comes way sweeter, more humble than Kevin Samuels. But at the same time, sometimes he'd be all over the place, you know, <laughs> and you got to catch a message and be like, oh, he, now he's over here, you know. But um, what he said in the video, I, I agree with. I, I do feel like um, a lot of generational curses come from a, a lack of self-esteem, you know, and mm -hmm. a, a lack of self-love and a lack of self-worth. But I'm not blaming my ancestors or my grandma or my mom because it was systematically put in place for us to feel like that, you know, right, and I right. understand that. So I give grace to everyone. And, you know, I'm a I'm, I'm a very positive person. I like to compliment people. I want people to feel good around me. And I'm going to uplift you and I'm going to nurture you, you know, so okay. that's just that's how I feel towards everyone. And, and that's that's always where I'm going. So if I see someone that I think has low self-esteem, I might just try to big you up in the moment because it's so important that how you feel about yourself is intact. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. when it's not, all types of shit can happen to you because you're not ha you don't have a standard of life, you know, it, because right. you're so low. So I, I do agree with his message. And, and we, we got to help the esteem of all of us because I feel like, we all kind of start off low and you have mm -hmm. to build that. And a lot of our parents don't even know how to instill that in us. So it, it really comes from you. You know, sometimes right. you got to teach yourself that shit. So what, I mean, what do you think about like with the, when he says, stop, you know, don't get your ass lifts and don't get your tummy tucked and don't get oh, your I definitely breasts. agree with that. I'm, okay. If you get plastic surgery, great for you. I would never. I think it's so dangerous to go and get something fake put in you, especially if you're trying to be a wife, because now all you're doing is bringing more men into your life that are going to treat you the same way they already were treating you before that happened because you haven't changed. Mm. All you have is a fat ass. And you might be attracting finer men, you know, or men that like ass or men that like titties or, you know, big lips, fucking smaller nose, whatever. But if you haven't changed, they're going to keep treating you the same way. And st statistics show these women who are going out and getting all this ass lift and this and that, you're not getting married. Yeah, they're more, they're more likely you're to be single. You're getting fucked. You're not getting married. So if your goal is to have sex with more men, you're going to reach that goal. But if your goal is to be married, it's going to be that much harder for you because you're so sexually appealing. And that's the first thing people are going to see. So what, then this is my last question, because I know we get into time. What about the women who are naturally beautiful and enhance their beauty? So let's say, like, I, so literally today I was at, uh, we were in St. Louis and I, I stopped at a store and this young lady was walking by 
and she she looked nat she looked natural you know she didn't have on any makeup you know she had some curly hair looked like her hair but she was wearing like this little short top it was cut off she had a lot of cleavage hanging out had on these little bitty short shorts and she was walking past this group of guys and the guys were sitting on the curb and you know immediately as guys do because they're guys uh they were like, oh, hey, girl, blah, 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 whoop, do whoop. And she, mm, uh-uh, don't eat. And it's like, <laughs> sis, you came out the house advertising that ass. You came with your ass hanging out the pants, your titties popping out the shirt. That's the, what do you expect? Like, my question is, what is the expectation you're looking girl, for? Girl, the crazy thing is, these women want that, but not from these broke ass niggas. They want it from the high dollar man, but they're never going to get it looking like that because ain't no high dollar man want a bitch that looks like she can go from being in the store to being on the corner. And that's what and it that's really what, is. But that's yeah. what they think. They think because they see these girls on Instagram and they're dating basketball players and football players and they're comparing themselves to this fake ass shit. You don't know and if that girl has Photoshop. You don't know if she got her real hair, if, if she's had millions of surgery to look like that. You don't know if she's in a positive relationship. You don't know if this man is beating her ass behind the scenes. You don't know if she got her own money to leave him if she wants to. You don't know none of that. You see one picture on Instagram that looks good, that looks like they're a happy couple, and you idolize that. So then you go out and you spend your money to get that, and you're still unhappy. So I'm not talking about the girls who are naturally built like that and that have their self-esteem intact. I'm talking about the girls who do this because their self-esteem is not intact. Because one yeah. could easily say, well, there's girls that are naturally built like that. That's right. But that doesn't mean that their self-esteem is where these other right. girls are. You know what I right. mean? There's a reason why right. you're going to pay money to look a certain way. Right. But I'm even talking about the women who are natural, who mm -hmm. naturally look like that and still advertise it. If you're, And I'm not saying every woman has to be covered from neck to ankle. Mm -hmm. But if you are advertising and you have cleavage and you have your pants short, you know, your short shorts and you're showing off your stomach and you're showing skin, that's, you know, even though I saw in a, a post on Facebook, there was a girl, and the picture came up, I thought she was a woman. She was 12. You know, she had on a two-piece bikini and it was like well, the little strings that it just barely covered the nipple. And the lady was like, I don't know why I have to cover up my daughter. What? It's not my fault. There's perverts out there. And it's like, are oh you crazy? Goodness. Yeah. So, you know, women, again, that's part of that generational curse where you feel like men need to change their natural way of thinking so my daughter can look this way. And I don't agree with that. I, she's I naturally also don't agree. Yeah, she's naturally beautiful, but it's still advertising. I love Dave Chappelle, he has this skit. I love it. He has this skit. He's like, um, say it real quick. I don't know we're going to say. He's like, um, no, you're fine. I'm in, I'm in the club, and this woman, she comes in, and she's got a breast pumped up and her ass hanging out, and you, you know, all this. And she's got on a whore's outfit. Uh huh. That's what he said. So he's like, so I treat her like a whore. And he was like, and then you get mad that I treat you how you're dressed. He's like, that's like somebody coming up on the street dressed like a police officer. And you're like, oh, hey, excuse me, police officer, I need your help. And he's like, just because I'm dressed as a woman doesn't make me a police officer. And I think that way with women, like just because I'm dressed this way doesn't make me a whore. 
But girl, you got on a horse outfit. Yeah. You have to recognize that. You want to be beautiful? To me, that's low self-esteem. Yeah. I don't care how naturally beautiful you are. If you have to raise your public image, I love how, I do love how Umar mm-hmm. Johnson used that term of phrase. If you have to raise your public image and have other people tell you how beautiful you are, yeah. and you don't recognize it yourself, mm-hmm. that's low self-esteem. Absolutely. I would 100% agree. Yep. Yeah. So. That's absolutely true. And I have seen that skit. I love that. Oh. <laughs> Heck yeah. But it's so true. It if, is. If you're dressed like a clown, I'm going to think you're a clown. Clown. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you and I'm not going to question it because you're dressed like that. I don't yeah. have to ask a clown, are you a clown? You yeah. have on a fucking red nose. Right. And women, <laughs> you know, they, they come up with this, well, how am I, I have to, and it's like, you have to, you cannot discredit the way a man thinks. You cannot discredit it. I know, you know, women want to say that men need to change their way of thinking, but it's easier for a woman to change her clothes than a man to change his mind. You know, that's his genetic way of thinking to reproduce and create children. And if you're dressed in a sexual way, he's going to be attracted with it where you can easily just go change your clothes and be happy with how you look and know that your body is banging. And and that should be enough. And a more high class man is going to holler at you like that. Yes. Yes. And that's what you're really doing all this for. I know you're not doing this for no broke nigga. No, (laughs) no. Or for women, you know. Some women, well, you know, I, I do this for, to, to, you know, so women can, you know, have an idea of what beauty is or I, or I, the best one is I do it for myself. No, you do it for your public image. You want somebody to tell you how good you look. If you can't know that you look good, then that's, something's wrong with that. You, if you don't, I can go out and, I don't want to say nothing. <laughs> But I've worn some stuff that is just been ragtag. And but I know I look good. Well, to me, my husband knows that's what's important. Yeah. My husband knows I look good. Same my husband here. my and as, as much as he tells me how beautiful I am, I don't need anybody else to tell me. I know I look good because my husband, that's to me, that's that kind of codependency. Because I used to always be, I did have. I, I was I had a bad self-image I didn't really have low self-esteem but I had bad self-image and as much as my husband helped me with that he has gotten me to the point where I know I look good I know I look good I know my body looks good I, I mean he tells me every day you know he compliments me he tells me what do you want me to wear nothing you know and and what I like you know, when these men allow their women to go out looking a certain way, to me, that's disrespectful. Because my husband's like, I wish you would go wear some shit like that out out here. And these men are looking at you in a way that I know how men look. And yeah. we need to think about that. In the way that I'm looking at you. Exactly. <laughs> if a man allows you to go out, if your husband or your significant other doesn't give a damn about what you wear out in the streets, something is wrong mine does for goddamn show (laughs) as a man he knows the feelings and actions he would take if another woman was dressed like that not only that but me and my husband have been out together and another man has tried to talk to me in front of him yes yeah so i definitely know the thing is when we when we first got together i used to wear a lot of lace 
And my thing was I wear a lace top with my little bra underneath. He did not like that. So when we got official, official, he's like, yeah, all that lace, see-through, <laughs> I like it. And it's the crazy done. thing was I would still wear it. And yeah. I would try to get him to like it. Like, hey, I have this on. Do you like it? He's like, no. How many times do I have to tell you? Like, I don't yeah. want you to wear that. And I'm yes. like, all right. So eventually I stopped wearing it, you know? And or I did the same I'll thing. wear a more classier version of it that's not so my bra showing and maybe it'll be lace and it'll just be lower cut, you know? Because he yeah. doesn't mind if I dress sexy. He's not trying to have me in a turtle. Well, maybe maybe when I'm away from him. But we go out or something because I have her and be like, uh, my titties out. And I'm like, boy, you know, <laughs> But, you know, he will let me dress sexy, but I won't take it overboard. And I don't have yeah. much of a body anyway. <laughs> so it's not like I'm just like, bam, boom, pow. It's just I got a little something, just a little, little something. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny you say that because I in the beginning – you know, I got a, I got a big butt. I've always had a big butt. And my thing, I, the funny thing is growing up, I used to wear baggy pants. I used to wear bad. I didn't like my body. I really didn't. Uh, when I went to live with my mom, you know, she was another person that helped me. She was like, you're gorgeous. You have a gorgeous body, show it off. So, you know, my pants slowly started getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And the hemline started getting lower and lower. And, um, you know, when I met my husband, of course he liked it, but he would always look at me like we get ready to go out because I'd have on some tight jeans. And he's like, why are you wearing your pants so damn tight? And I'm like, you liked it? And he was like, every other nigga don't need to like it. So <laughs> he, he prefers me in dresses, you know, very loose dresses. So, and I mean, not even because I was like, well, let me wear like the kind of flowy dresses he's like nah because then you see that ass just like, yep, that's a sundress. <laughs> men be waiting for sundress right, season right so <laughs> it took me a little bit but i did have to recognize and accept that when i wore those things it attracted the wrong attention and he had to remind me babe you are you are gorgeous but you don't need other people's gawking and approval for you to know that that's short-lived that's a minute or two you don't need that. So you can go out on anything and still know you're beautiful. So yeah, most of the times I go out and I have like, you know, a long, very thick, you know, he makes my clothes, he makes my clothes for me. Um, and I have learned, I've changed up my style. I wear more long, uh, I don't want to say stiffer. Basically it's to cover my ass. I ain't got no titties. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, nah, he didn't come that because he look at me like, you finna go out and what now? No, no, you got to <laughs> go that shit up. But I, to me, that's, I love that. And a woman should want that. Yeah. If your man doesn't want you attracting other men, if your man don't care what you wear, you should really question, like, how come you don't care that other men are hitting on me? Probably and if he's he looking says, at other women. That? Or if he says some shit like, well, I want you to be able to boost your self-esteem or some shit like that, then he got low self-esteem. Or you're you're some type of trophy. For somehow he's walking around like, yeah, I got this. This is mine. And that's him having low self-esteem. Because he shouldn't have to show you off that he got you. He has you. Why does See, he have and to women show have the mind frame of, if I'm a bad bitch, then you shouldn't have got with a bad bitch because I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> Listen to that song, people. Bitch Bad by Lupe Fiasco. Listen to the words. Because bitch bad, but a woman is good. 
Mm-hmm. Those are the lyrics. Bitch, bad. And you, yeah, you be a bad bitch. And that's literally what you are. A horrible female dog. <laughs> <laughs> Break it down with the goddamn definitions, okay? <laughs> Get your shit in check. <laughs> all right well i feel like today has been a really good conversation yes. about generational curses and um to wrap it all up for our altar call this is just pretty much going to be for all our people out there that are struggling with generational curses that have recognized generational curses in their family or maybe you're the person to break those generational curses this is for y'all holla at us let us know what you think let us know how you're breaking your generational curses. Let us know how you're raising your kids differently. And um, just let us know like what y'all been going through when it comes to just everyday life and, and things that seep from generation to generation. Like, how do you handle it? Let us know. Yes, ma'am. You know how to hit us up. You know where the, um, all the social media platforms are and the email. So wait we're on everything. Guys put that oh, right yeah. up here. <laughs> so yes, definitely reach out to us. We, we want to be interactive and we want to know what you guys think. Um, so that pretty much is the end of our show. Thank y'all so much for rocking with us. You know what I'm saying? We're on episode six. It's been going really good so far and we have so much more to give you guys. So just keep tuning in and you know, We'll give you what you want to hear. We'll give you what you want to hear, baby. (laughs) All right. Well, good night, (laughs) y'all. See you next time. Bye.